Welcome to Casey Corner, episode 138. I'm back from Nashville. Welcome back. Thank you. I appreciate it. Nashville's a fun town, though. V- very fun town. We, uh, uh, My buddy and I, Eric Sexton, we swear we heard Chris Stapleton like oh, sing, dressed up man. in like a costume. It was oh, unbelievable. Come on. Was he that good? Oh, he was, he was so good. Was there, he We, we, we may have like a two-minute video on my phone, and when he hits the note, I'm definitely yelling. So oh, that's there, awesome. Yeah, it's, I it's love really it. good. You know, the last time I was in Nashville, uh, it was before uh, the conversion, mm-hmm. and the conversion of me really loving country music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... Yep. But we went to the Country Music Hall of Fame, and as a matter of fact, we got a backstage pass to some songwriters, people who write songs that mm-hmm. have become real famous, and it was so cool, and you hear some other songs, and so, uh, yeah, that's a that's a great time. There, there's some talented people out there, for Oh, sure. my gosh. So, it's on, so a, true. on Saturday night, we always host, so it's a big convention, the ABCA convention, 8,000 baseball coaches in the five-star Gaylord Opryland Hotel there, which yeah. is always a funny sight to see. I bet it um, is. But on Saturday night, we always host a big party, and one of our buddies, his his friend, is trying to make it in country music out there in wow. Nashville. He just met some guys that he started a band with, and they're called Old Hickory, which old I thought Hickory. was a great like baseball guy uh, country music oh, band. Oh, that's Old Hickory, man. That's a, that's a fantastic. You yeah, know? and that then, so they, awesome. they were great, too, at our party, so it was a good weekend. You know, I don't think there's any other bands in Nashville trying to make it no so, there's so. none so it's uh he should do pretty well yeah they, they, they should be found out real quick Un, unbiased they sounded great in my opinion okay they, they, they sounded phenomenal who do they sound like um you know i don't know i i they have their unique music they sound like old hickory okay old hickory <laughs> but oh, yeah man. that that one guy uh in winners and losers definitely sounded like chris stapleton oh, that's it, so it was cool. it was very good uh, so which side do you sit on the winners or the loser side we, we're on the loser side okay, okay. <laughs> no good that's not good but yeah it's a that's a that's a wild town that's for sure it is it is a wild town it's a fun time and you know if you get outside of town a little bit there's places like franklin and brentwood i think it's called mm-hmm. there's some beautiful horse country out there oh it's yeah really really pretty. absolutely absolutely nice place to live mm-hmm. that's for sure but all that said i'm glad our bible reading uh builds in a few off days because i only got through like three or four three and a half days uh from the last time we spoke well you know the good thing is god still loves you which, <laughs> is, which is awesome and so hey and you know those in casey cornerland we're going to jump into this and, and what we're going to do is we start with a bible reading and uh you know it's my hope and prayer some of you guys are journeying with us uh through this and this is helpful um but, you know, and Brooks and I are trying to figure it out, too. We're trying to figure out, okay, how, how do we go about talking about this? I mean, you know, how, how do we kind of slice this onion, so to speak, without everybody crying? But, uh, <laughs> um, but we're going to just, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about each book that we're reading through and, and just kind of talk about a couple of highlights. And so thanks for journeying with us, folks. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we start off with the Gospel of Matthew, you know, mm-hmm. and Matthew, if I believe the first day where we pick up is is going to be... This flight to Egypt. It's it's uh, it's interesting because Herod uh, was not able to uh, find out from the wise men about where Jesus was specifically, mm-hmm. and so Herod, being an absolute evil man, says, "Let's take out all the babies two years in age and under." Uh, kind of fulfilling prophecy uh, right there in Bethlehem, and you know God gets gives word. Uh, to Mary and Joseph to say, get Jesus out of here and take him to Egypt. But what's interesting about that, it's scripture is going to say, hey, it fulfills Hosea 11.1. 1. And Hosea 11.1 1 says, out of Egypt, I will call my son. And, you know, there's no way that Hosea is writing that thinking, oh, this is going to be about the Messiah. <laughs> you know, he was right. Israel, the nation of Israel, out of Egypt, God called them. You know, mm-hmm. God called them out of Egypt. And there's a uh, out of slavery, and there's a beautiful parallel that we're going to see with Jesus's life, 
and the nation of Israel, Jesus's life and the temple, because Jesus is the true Israel. He is mm -hmm. the true temple. And, uh, you know, so they have this flight from Egypt and, and then you're going to find out, well, he's told, well, don't go back there, go back to up to Nazareth and he's going to become Jesus, the Nazarene. And mm -hmm. it's, as we read, like in the book of Acts, it's amazing how many times Peter refers to Jesus as Jesus, the Nazarene. Mm -hmm. And, uh, which, which is pretty darn cool. I remember um, when you first told me how you kind of structure your sermons of no matter the topic that you're preaching about, you always tie it back to Jesus. And that's what all of these stories do too. With Hosea, it ties it back to Jesus and ties it back to prophecies. And that's a great way to do it because I see uh, so many other pastors, it'll just rely on like, they'll preach on 10 commandments, for instance. And it's like, okay, it's rely on you. Like if you do these things, you'll be good and all that. Uh, yeah. You have to tie it back to Jesus somehow. And you see that in the Bible. Well, I think it was a good thing that Jesus tied it back to Jesus. Yes. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, and that road to Emmaus is mm -hmm. that, you know, where the resurrected Christ meets those two travelers. Um, he shows them that all of scripture was about a Messiah who must suffer. And so he starts back with Moses and uh, through the poets and, and, and he proves that he's the Messiah. So, yeah. So I think, you know, uh, thank you for saying that about my preaching. Again, I was trained that way. Uh, Christ-centered preaching was a book I read by... Uh, Brian Chapel that really helped shape that. But let's let's keep going. Mm -hmm. So then you get to Matthew three, and which is you know one of the most important things of Matthew three is Jesus's baptism. Mm -hmm. And probably the question you want to ask is, well, why was Jesus baptized? And even so, Brooks, you think of you know what was John the Baptist's baptism for? It was for the repentance of sins. Mm -hmm. So now you're thinking, okay, Jesus doesn't need to be baptized for the repentance of sins. He here is the one born of a virgin who's sinless. So, but he would say, John the Baptist is right. It's like, hey, you need to be baptizing me. I, I don't need to be baptizing you. And Jesus says, hey, let's do this in the fulfillment of all righteousness. I mean, and it's and it's it's kind of Jesus identifying with the people, identifying with sinners, uh, Jesus being one of us. But it's also, it's, it's the beginning. It's the inauguration of his public ministry. It's the Father is going to pour out the Holy Spirit upon him. But it's also like a priestly, the high priestly work of Jesus. As a, as a high priest were anointed uh, with oil, as they were anointed, he was anointed for that. Uh, so there's so much there wrapped in Jesus' baptism. But one of the most beautiful things that's there is the Trinity. And, you know, as we look through Scripture, we see that God reveals himself as one true living God in three persons, mystery of all mysteries. Mm -hmm. um, here's one of those clear passages where... You see Jesus being baptized, you know, the, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and the voice of the Father saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And, you know, that's a that's a wonderful proof text, so to speak. And, you know, they're separate. You know, the, the dove was separate than Jesus. The Father's voice was apart from Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not this modalism where the Father became the Son and became the Spirit. Um, but also with that, it also gives us a key look at you know, when the father can't contain his silence anymore. And he said, this is my boy who I'm well pleased. You know, all the pleasure of the father comes through Jesus. You mm -hmm. know, when you long for the father's pleasure, we can't earn it. We can't do enough. Uh, we embrace the one whom he is well pleased with. And he's pleased with us as we embrace him. It's a cool thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, I know that your dad and your grandfather are so pleased with you, Brooks. And I've watched them both at your baseball games. And, uh, it's hard for, and, and you're, not to mention your mom and grandma, it's hard to not, not to scream and holler, that's my boy, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, 
I love that picture. I think of an athletic venue that, you know, here's his son about ready to set out on his public journey. And here's his son who's about ready. And that journey is going to take him to a cross and the father can't contain it. Heaven can't stay silent. And, uh, he cries out. You, you beat me to the punchline. Yeah, I was going to so say, sorry. it's like Caleb and I are striking out someone to end a complete game yeah. in like a championship game uh, is what Jesus did. And he just can't contain his happiness. He can't. That's my boy. That's my boy. That is my boy <laughs> right there. That is my boy. Exactly. And I love that. And, you know, and that's that love he has for his boy. He puts on us. So that's where the pleasure is. And mm-hmm. so um, is there anything more you want to say? About the that? only other thing, jumping back a little bit. I Sorry love how that. they described uh, John the Baptist. John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. And I just kind of picture this, like, scraggly hippie guy. That's, yeah. that's just awesome he's to be around. He's a scraggly hippie guy. He's, setting a, he's, got, he's got a new, uh, he's got his own look. His breath mm-hmm. has probably smelled pretty bad for yep. what he was eating. But, and uh, it's, they kind of portray him as, like, that scraggly hippie guy instead of someone dressed in robes and jewelry and all this. Like, no, he was, he was yeah. wearing rags and eating bugs. It's hilarious. <laughs> And, you know, we didn't talk about it, but that's the connection to really the Elijah who will come, the one who will prepare the way of the Lord. And that's, he's going to be asked a lot, hey, are you the Messiah? No, 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 there's, I'm not. I'm the one who helps prepare the way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's 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 amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you get Jesus into the wilderness, you know. And, uh, um, again, think of the parallel, Brooks, between the nation of Israel spending 40 years in the wilderness and failing. I mm-hmm. mean, being tested, but they were grumbling, complaining. They, they were a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and God kept on saying, you have such a stiff neck. I mean, you, you guys, you, you, you people are, are terrible, mm-hmm. terrible. And, and as someone that has to get surgery on this Friday and start fasting at 11 a.m. on Thursday, clear liquids, then can't have anything on Friday, the fact that, you know, Jesus went through a whole lot more during this days, temptation. 40 nights, I mean, like, like... I'm like, I can't have a sandwich for 24 <laughs> hours and just, like, some water. Are you kidding me? I know, what in the heck? I know, I, I'm, with, I'm with you, brother. But, you know, as the nation of Israel failed in the wilderness and temptation, Jesus succeeds, and we got to see that and. You know how does Jesus how does Jesus face temptation? Mm-hmm. He quotes scripture, mm-hmm. and I just think if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. I mean, hide God's word in our hearts that we may not sin against God. Psalm one nineteen will tell us, and so, you know, here, here, and but the scary thing is, who else quotes scripture? Satan. Mm-hmm. You know, Satan's trying to tempt Jesus, and uh, um, you know, it's it's just uh, um, it's scary mm-hmm. uh, that. Satan will will use whatever to, to lead us. And I, I thought about the Lord's Prayer where he says, you know, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, here the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. He was led there for that coming face-to-face with Satan to go to succeed in his temptation where mm-hmm. we failed. And that's just, we need a Savior who goes into the battlefield and he went in weak. Mm-hmm. He went in without nourishment, and uh, and yet he is 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 quoted right in that passage, which is a quote out of Deuteronomy six: "That man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the Lord's mouth." Uh, you know, here he is depending on his father. So it's mm-hmm. it's good stuff. Yep. And then that last temptation up on the mountain, like I will give you all these cities and these kingdoms to rule, and especially that time when there were kings and rulers and more yeah. so. But picture just in America looking over, you see Chicago and New York sure, and all these sure. places. Like I'll give this, and you'll be president of the United States, yeah. and for him to be no, yeah, no thanks. No. Yeah, it's not yours to give anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's so true. I love it. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, here he is. He's 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 gonna give all that away to the man who's happy to live with nothing. <laughs> yep. You know, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, um, and then uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the calling of the first disciples. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really interesting to me. Um, you know, by the way, I, I'm intrigued that every time the disciples are listed, guess who's number one? Every Peter. time, Peter. Peter. Mm-hmm. Never list disciples without Peter being first. Mm-hmm. And so, Peter being first, which I love that. Um, but you know, what were they doing? And um, Matthew doesn't talk about the incredible catch right before mm-hmm. calling them as much as these, I think Luke clearly makes that true. But you know, you have. Peter and Andrew and James and John, they're all by the fishermen mm-hmm. uh, doing the things. And, did you know, here they leave everything. So Jesus is going to make them fishers of men. But did you see, Brooks, do you remember what James and John were doing? I'm trying to scan right here. This was the part that I didn't get to this week. Though. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm <laughs> no so worries. Sorry. Aren't you put I me on the spot. Well, I did have the Peter right in front of me, though. So I, I looked I down you. and That's saw so, that. So, so that was good. That was awesome. <laughs> well, let me let me jump in and tell you. You know, they were mending their nets. And mm-hmm. uh, and so they're learning their father's trade. There they were with their father. Uh, if you can look, it'll tell you who the father's names are, his name here. is. Uh, it's James and John. They're with their father. Was it wasn't Zacharias. What was what was uh, Zebedee? Zebedee. There we go. That's right. the mending sons of Zebedee, of course, the sons of Zebedee, mm-hmm. the sons of thunder. So so there there they are with their dad. Now picture this. I mean. They're with their dad fishing. They're doing what they're they're mending their family nets. They mm-hmm. are this is their family business, and the boys leave. And what do you think Zebedee was thinking? Yo, <laughs> hey <the> boys, we, <laughs> we got, got work to do. <laughs> hello, hello. It, it, it's like when uh, you're you're mowing the lawn, and then all your your friends pull up, and you hop in the car. And yeah. Your dad's like, hey, whoa, we got whoa, yard whoa, work whoa. to do. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, what, what, what's going on here? And uh, and I, I heard a sermon on this once, and uh, yeah, I, I I was really in, uh, intrigued with it. And again, it's one of those things like I don't know. It kind of goes beyond what Scripture will say, but it would say. A, a the highest calling of the time was for a rabbi to call you to follow him. Mm-hmm. There was a saying that may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi, may you walk so closely with your rabbi mm-hmm. that you're following him, that his dust is getting all over you. And the uh, the one who preached this uh, said, you know, this would Zebedee would think, ah, oh, my boys are worthy. I mean, this mm-hmm. this rab- rabbi Jesus sees my smelly fisherman boys worthy to be disciples of his mm-hmm. to wear his yoke uh and, and uh to follow him and so you know maybe zebedee wasn't screaming for them to get back to finish the nets <laughs> maybe he was applauding yeah. that they got a higher calling mm-hmm. but but you know they Absolutely. certainly became fisher of men which is awesome um all right so uh i i think uh and then it's going to end a little bit with the uh sermon on the mount which mm-hmm. which Oh my gosh, Brooks, we could spend hours talking about that. But let me just say... Well, let's do Sermon on the Mount next week. Okay, yeah, that sounds that, good. I'll, I'll get to that one. Let's okay. do that one next all right, week. All right, all right, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Can we jump into the book of Acts? Did let's you read do any it. of that? Oh yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> um, so it's it starts off with Peter's sermon in Pentecost. And uh, you know one of the things I love that is revealed in there you, that you might gloss over it is that he's going to talk about, hey, this Jesus whom you crucified... God raised from the dead. And you mm-hmm. see both man's responsibility, you knuckleheads, you've killed the <laughs> he author goes of in life. On him. He goes yeah. in on him. He goes, he goes sure. down. He goes down on him. But you also see it's all according to God's plan. So you have mm-hmm. this beautiful tension. Hey, 
you're culpable of your sins. You've made these decisions, and yet God's plan is unfolding. And, and there's a mystery there. But beloved Casey Corner folks, just see the reality that we are responsible for our actions and our sins. Mm-hmm. And yet God's plan is still sovereign and unfolding. It's just it's just beautiful. Yeah. And it's kind of perfect how we were just talking about Peter and when he got called and he was just a fisherman. And now we see him up preaching in front of so many people in the beginning of the church. It was in a beautiful. And here he is being the fisher of men. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest difference? You know what it is, right? It's it's Acts 1.8. What happened? The Holy Spirit came upon him mm-hmm. and they got the power. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the sermon, they're all saying, what do we do? And he's like, hey, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for you and your household. And there's so much there. I mean, mm-hmm. to be baptized into Jesus is not just the water of baptism, but to embrace him, his life, his death, his resurrection, to repent of your sins. But it, that, this is one of those texts where, you know, you and your household, it's it's this it's this call for family. It's mm-hmm. this call for covenant. And I... I believe it's one of the reasons we baptize children is mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's it's for you and your children. Mm-hmm. So And some of that powerful language he was using was, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. Yeah. And you killed the author of life whom God <laughs> raised from the dead. Like, yeah. whoa, that is, yeah. that's a powerful sentence yeah. right there. Yeah. You guys are two words, pawn <laughs> scum. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? And he's part of that too. It's, yeah. it's not. Oh, just, he was. He's not just scolding people. That you know, he he denied him as well. He three times. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, it's it's so true. And um, yeah, can you imagine? You killed the author of life. I mean, it's like, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. When you put I it that up. way, <laughs> exactly. Whoops. <laughs> that was a big one. Yep. And so, uh, and then and then it kind of shows in in end of two this idyllic church it's just like it's amazing the early church a lot of times you think oh if we can go back to be like them but what they devoted themselves to the church needs to look at they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching mm-hmm. our church always needs to be devoted to the gospel to god's word we need to live under the authority of god's word they devoted themselves uh to fellowship we are we're connected to be together it's actually the fellowship i mean then, and they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Is that communion or what is that? And they had all things in common. And it's very interesting to me as I read through this portion of, of Acts, it's amazingly how Jewish this was. Uh, you know, Peter is addressing them as Israelites. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in the temple. I mean, we really see our Christian roots are so deeply entrenched into the Jewish culture as we started. And that's where they were. And mm-hmm. uh by the way, going back to that church, I mean, just having all things in common and being that passionate, it's just cool how they lived. And, mm-hmm. and they both were in, it, it was both a formal in the temple and in the homes. It, was, it had, had a kind of a formal aspect and a, and a, a casual aspect to it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, and I'd love to talk a little bit about Acts 3 because that's that when they walk in the temple and they heal that man and you don't find out to the very end of the story, he's 40 years old, mm-hmm. um, that who's begging and he they, they make eye contact uh with Peter and, is it Peter and James? I think it is. Um, looking uh, right uh, now. Peter and John. Peter and John. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, yeah, should have known that. But anyway, <laughs> um, and I love what Peter says. He says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And to me, Brooks, every one of us should look at that and say, hey, I may not have this. I may not have teaching gifts. I may not have this kind of gift. I may not have this. I may... But what I have, we give to others in the name of Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. I think that's the model for us. What God has given to uh, to us, we give to others. And wow. 
And talk about a healing. I mean, instantaneously healing. That guy's up, jumping around, dancing around. <laughs> I did think there's no physical therapy. There was mm-hmm. no like, you think of your grandma who mm-hmm. just had a new hip and mm-hmm. who just, uh, they took a rod out of her leg. And what, you know, the whole thing is, okay, let's get her slowly back walking, get mm-hmm. her mobile. And here's one who's never walked. Mm-hmm. How shriveled were those tendons and those muscles? How mm-hmm. much atrophy? I mean, talk about a miraculous healing. He's mm-hmm. jumping around. I mean, he's dancing. I mean, whoo. Oh, yeah. That's it, it made me think of, and this is a random example. Uh, I don't know how I came across this video, but it's on Richard Pratt's website, uh, Third Mill. Mm-hmm. And on their little intro video kind of explaining what they do is he was visiting Africa, and he was in this little village, and a little girl came out of her room in one of the huts, and she her legs were kind of curled up underneath her, and she was walking on her hands. So I thought of that girl of like, if she was snap of the fingers, could walk, jump around, how much she would be praising God in that moment. Oh so that, that's what I thought about when I read that. That's uh, what, what, what a vivid picture. And that's so cool. And by the way, here's a great thing too, is um, King's Chapel just just uh, included Third Mill, which is a great ministry. And their, their motto is a Christian education for the world for free. Mm-hmm. That's going to be our ministry partner. We mm-hmm. just started to financially support them. And ministry. so that's, that's so cool. So, then we hear at the end of this, like, hey, listen, there's no power. What, you know, the, the religious people are like, what power and what name gave you the authority to do this? And he's like, there's no other name in heaven that you can be saved other than the name of Jesus. And mm-hmm. he's he's ripping on them. The one you killed, he is. Yeah, I, one, I jumped so. ahead. I jumped ahead on that yeah, yeah. <laughs> earlier. Which, which uh, no, 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 which, no, no, no. Because he says it twice. You didn't jump ahead. Okay, perfect. perfect. So, so, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, wow. And to me... Let me let me go back and circle back and say, you know, you think of the book of Acts and, and it's going to say in one eight, OK, you're going to receive power, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my disciples um, and you will be my disciples in Jude- Jude- uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. And here you see it being the fulfillment. I mean, even early on, um, the religious leaders are saying you you are filling all of Jerusalem with this teaching and. Mm-hmm. You know, the fulfillment of in Jerusalem, it starts there. It's going to go to Judea, Samaria, mm-hmm. to the ends of the earth. So God's plan's unfolding. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All right, you want to go and jump to the Psalms? Yes, let's do it. All right, we had, I think we had Psalms 2 through 6. And, uh, I believe so. Um, you know, and again, I, I, I probably, uh, I only have a couple things I want to point out in this. I mean, it's, uh, I love in, in Psalm, uh, maybe it was fourth. Anyway, I think three through seven is what, is what I three have. through seven. So we're, we're in that same, in that same ballpark. ballpark. Well, in, in four, I love it. It says that God's put more joy in my heart than they have with, uh, when their grain and their wine abound. And it's just like, it's a reminder to me that the joy of Jesus and the joy of the Holy spirit and the joy of being his, the world can't comp- compare. I mean, mm-hmm. we can have everything in the world, but there's nothing like, having Jesus. And there's something, um, when I was doing the chronological version or read through last year, you kind of read the story through uh second Samuel of David and what he's going through and his sad Psalms and oh, his yeah. happy Psalms. And yeah, it was yeah, good yeah. to see like kind of go bounce, bounce yeah, yeah. back and forth. And then in this one, you're kind of reading them straight through. It's like, okay, what was going on with David at yeah, that yeah, time? Yeah, exactly. Trying to remember it. And sometimes they'll tell you in the, uh, in the intro of the Psalm and sometimes it won't, but, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, is Kelvin said the Psalms contain the entire emotion of, of man because, mm-hmm. you know, 
we've experienced all that in oh, all yeah. points. And even God, even so. within the same psalms, they'll 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 change emotions from the beginning to the end. Yeah, and they'll kind of do how they land differently. It's so so true. They're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, I think uh, in, in Psalm five it says, you know, in the morning you'll hear my voice, and I and I love that, you know. Uh, as I even prepare a sacrifice for you, and that's my li- my my life is a sacrifice. And uh, you know, I, I when I read that in my devotions, I say it out loud. You know, in the Lord, in the morning, Lord, you can hear my voice. You know, telling you I love you. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, Opening up with, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Like I yeah. know I'm groaning right now. Please hear me. Yeah, yeah. And you know He will. He's mm-hmm. a God who hears. And he even in Romans eight says the Holy Spirit understands our groaning. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just amazing. Six is a lament. I didn't have a lot written down about that. I don't know if you have anything on six, but uh, nothing, no, nothing too crazy. Okay, then you know, do we go to seven? Seven, God's a righteous judge, and did, how far are we going to go? Because that's it. I mean, I love eight. Eight is O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, and it mm-hmm. talks about Him as Creator. You know, when I you set your glory above the heavens, and then He's going to go to say, listen, when I when I look at when I consider. The heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place. Who, who the heck is man that you care for? Him? The son of man that you really uh, is yeah, paid mindful of man, even though he created the heavens and earth. It like yeah. realizes it makes you feel how small you are. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, here we are. We try to get uh, autographs from our, our favorite people. You know, you feel mm-hmm. so. Hey, can you sign my little piece of paper? <laughs> and you know, here they are. All the other good at a sport thing, and here is the creator of the universe saying, "I really care for you. I mean, I really know you." It's just like, holy cow. Oh, yeah. that, that, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think I'll end with nine where I love it says, you know, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. And uh, because when I recall your wonderful deeds and, you know, if we recall who he is as creator, who he is as redeemer, who he is with his hand of providence, we should give thanks to him with our whole heart. And, you know, that lead should lead to us exalting him and praising him, it says in the next two verses and to be glad and rejoice. So, um, yeah beautiful stuff and, and through the psalms i think you see in a lot of them them talking about people coming after them or that hate them or slander them right here where it says be gracious to me O lord see my affliction from those who hate me i feel like that's a big topic in the psalms too talking about i feel like especially in that day when people yeah. were actually like chasing you to kill you <laughs> um it's a little bit different than maybe in today's world yeah there's probably different probably some similarities but mm-hmm. you know um but David definitely had those who chased him. I mean, mm-hmm. including his own son, including Saul. I mean, those who hated him. He had to hide in a cave. I mean, it was, uh, yeah. Oof, man. The only way to deal with it is to write the Psalms. Yeah, exactly. I, I think. And, and pray. I agree. <laughs> he did a great job. Okay, no, but we're going to end with Genesis, which, you know, as you read through this section with us, Casey Cornerland, you know, obviously we're the most in, in Genesis. I think that our ver- our chapters were like from 9 to 26 or mm-hmm. something. There's, oh my gosh, yeah. there's so much that happened <laughs> in there. And I don't know how we wrap this up. So stick with us. We're going to try to land this plane here oh, quickly. Yeah. But, you know, chapter 9, it's going to start off with, again, it's still a, a bit in the Noah story. And But one of the things that I love about that chapter is going to say, if you take a life, it'll cost you your life. It shows us capital punishment, but it tells us why. Because you'll be taking the image of God. Our worth is ultimately wrapped up in our creator. Our worth is wrapped up in the one we reflect. And in and that image, if you destroy that image, that's going to cost you because that's God's image. And, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and, I, and I love that. And, uh, you know, you also realize that our heroes like Noah, they get drunk and they wind up naked. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, my gosh. And you get this really weird story <laughs> of his three sons. And Ham is a son that... 
somehow in a weird way delighted in his dad's drunken nakedness Mm -hmm. and the other two boys are going to cover up their dad and again Mm -hmm. it's just it's just a weird story but that son is ham and he's going to become the cursed canaanites Mm -hmm. and the canaanites are going to leave this bad taste in your mouth Mm -hmm. and what was ham doing staring at his dad in a tough spot Mm -hmm. i don't fully know but it's going to say hey you know you have shem who's going to be the line of the jewish folks Japheth, who's going to be the Gentiles who believe. And here you have Ham, who's the Canaanites. And so it's kind of a story all wrapped into one. And mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and that, that, that's a hard one to uh, decipher, that's for sure. Oh, and, there, and there's a bunch of those, especially oh, in the gosh. Old Testament. There's a, there's a lot of head scratchers. We're going to get to them. <laughs> a lot of it takes some commentary and some extra context of what's going on. Yeah. And sometimes you just say, okay, I got to move on. I don't quite get it, you know, but I got it. Then you get, you get eventually after Noah, you got the table of nations. They're going to tell you how people get there. And they're going, they're, they're filling the earth, which they're supposed to do. It doesn't say it specifically, but they're, they're heading out and uh, they stop. They stop at Babel. Mm-hmm. And what do they stop at Babel? They're like, hey, and here's everything went wrong is they tried to build a city of man versus the city of God. Here's mm-hmm. Augustine who's going to write about that. And it's like, let's build a city for ourselves, mm-hmm. for our own name. Let us build a tower to heaven. Let us define how we interact with God. Let us say, tell God how we're going to have access to him. Mm-hmm. Let us do it for our name, our glory, our fame. Let's protect ourselves. They completely lost the mission of fill the earth for his own glory. They for, completely lost the understanding. And so it's interesting how God had to stoop, swoop down to see what little things that they're building, you know. <laughs> And he says, hey, let's, let's mess up their language. And so if we mess up their language, um, we will, uh, you know, because who knows what they're going to be able to do. These guys are knuckleheads. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, Brooks, let me bring back around. We read in the book of Acts is Pentecost. It's the reversal of Babel. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's bring in the nations that understand each other mm-hmm. and uh, kind of making all things new. But anyway, pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then moving on to Abram. Ooh, Abram. Nothing big about Abraham, you know? <laughs> Father Abraham. I mean, that's just absolutely amazing. And um, I don't know. You, you want to jump in with anything with Abraham? Um, no, no. Go ahead. And go so, ahead. you know, we start with this covenant. So everything's leading up and you got the whole world. You go, then you go down through Noah. And then you get the whole world again. Now, you, now you're going to come back to Abraham and the blessings of God and the seed are going to throw flow through him and the covenant that God makes with Abraham. And I'm just going to say it's... Uh, it's amazing what God promised an old man and his old wife, uh, a seed, a name, a blessing that will bless all nations. And it's a great story. And I love in Genesis 12 that Abraham, because of a famine, goes to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And then while he's there, he pimps out his wife, which he's an idiot, and, and says, twice. oh, she's my sister. Twice he's going to do it. <laughs> and it's just I, crazy. When, when that happened the second time, too, I was like, Sarah Hello. must have been absolutely beautiful because twice he said, you're so beautiful, they're, they're going to kill me and take you if they know that uh, you're my wife. And you know how old she was about then? About 90. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like, okay, that's a hottie <laughs> grandma. Though. I mean, that's just weird, you know, and she's not even a mom yet, but... Anyway, but what I what I love is it parallels what the nation of Israel would do. So if the original audience that's reading this story, you know, we talk about that world. We're looking at a- Abraham. But what about their world? The people who were, why did Moses write this story? He wrote mm-hmm. it to people who went to Egypt because of a famine, who would eventually plunder the Egyptians through plagues, just like it happened with Abraham or Abram at the time. And they come to the promised land Mm -hmm. and a land that God promised them. So 
here, think of how encouraging that would be. Hey, Abraham did this and he went before us and God promised, we're heading home. It's scary. They got giants in the land, mm-hmm. but it's a land God gave us. This mm-hmm. is, this is home. And, and so how, how cool it would be for them to read this story. How mm-hmm. encouraging that's, that's what they call their world. We talk about Richard Pratt. I learned it from him. Read the Bible, understand that world that he's describing, their world, the first readers or listeners to this, the first time it was preached mm-hmm. for each context. It's this hermeneutics, understanding the Bible in context. Then how does the cross affect it? And then in chapter 14, I'm going to jump ahead and you get this Melchizedek character mm-hmm. that, you know, that Abram is such a bad, you know what, that mm-hmm. he's able to go and, and rescue his nephew Lot, who mm-hmm. got he was a POW, prisoner of war. Mm-hmm. And he takes all the spoils, and all of a sudden this weird character shows up, this king of Salem, this king of peace, king of righteousness is his name, Melchizedek. And 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 Abraham, Abram at the time, he ties to him. So it's almost like he gives it to like as like the Lord. You know, who mm-hmm. is this priest? This came before Levi. But you'll see that Jesus is going to be connected to the line, the priestly line of Melchizedek, one that doesn't really have genealogy. It's just, there's so much, it's going to emerge in Psalm 110 and, and some other spots. It's going to be in the book of Hebrew. But anyway, it's hard to not to read through Genesis 14 and talk about a weird guy named Melchizedek. And mm-hmm. I know there's more we could say, but, and then... Can we go to 15? Keep going. 15, 15 is like, God, how do I know that you're going to do these promises? Because my heir is like some distant dude. I, I can't remember Eliezer or something like that. But mm-hmm. uh, but so God makes a covenant. And here's what he does, Brooks. It's a, You read the story. You're like, God says, okay, get some animals, cut them in two. And, <laughs> and uh, we're going to pass through these animals. And mm-hmm. uh, um, it's like, what? <laughs> what? Um, but this is what they did for an ancient Near Eastern treaty. If we if we were two kings of an ancient Near Eastern, and we say, okay, let's make an agreement. We would cut animals up and we would walk through the animals saying, if we don't keep our end of the bargain, may we become like these animals. Mm-hmm. And so here God says, okay, use the use the language, the like the contract of the time. And the beautiful thing is uh, Abram falls into a deep sleep. And God has this flaming torch. It's kind of the symbolism of God's presence. Just think of the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And he's the one going through, not Abraham. He's basically saying, I'm going to do both ends of the bargain. I'm mm-hmm. going to keep it. If you don't keep it or I keep it, I'm going to mutilate myself if I don't keep my promises. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. God's going to put himself on the line for that much. And then you realize he did on the mm-hmm. cross. He did fulfill that ultimate promise. So, Again, I know that that was two or three minutes of a lot of stuff, but uh, you know what an incredible promise that God has. And uh, I don't have the exact kind of quote in there, but in one of the comments, it said that uh, a covenant is like it is a contract, but it's yeah. different in the fact that it's basically like a unilateral contract of it's God promising, and yeah. it's not up to us. We, we there's no part on our end that we have to hold up the bargain. Like it's all on Him, and He promises. Yeah, it. He promises it, and He delivers it. And then mm-hmm. one of my favorite th- sayings is. God is the uh, promise maker and God is the promise keeper. Mm -hmm. And that's what we see with this. 16, you got the sad story of Hagar. You know, you have Abraham and Sarah trying to do things on their own. And Sarah who thinks it's a good idea. I can't have kids. So here's my slave woman. And when you start trying to do things outside of God's plan, good luck. It's Mm -hmm. always going to be a a train wreck. And yet in God's grace, he's going to have a plan for Ishmael and, uh, and, and for Hagar, I love the fact that he cares and he sees. He's a God who sees, 
her pain, um, which is so beautiful. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go quick. 17, you got another covenant of the, the covenant of circumcision. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we got to end with a little bit of just about Isaac and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, eventually Isaac laughter comes, eventually God's coming through with that. And, and uh, as you and I sit here, you can see I got a, a copy of Rembrandt's oh, yeah. uh, p- uh, portrait of the sacrifice of Isaac. And mm-hmm. it's almost God saying, okay, take your son, your only son, which, by the way, he had Ishmael, but the son of promise, mm-hmm. and go and sacrifice him. He's like, I've waited 100 years, and now you want me to sacrifice it. But I mm-hmm. love the fact that the book of Hebrews says, okay, if God's asking me this, he's going to raise him from the dead. He had faith. But he told them, he said that early the next day they went, well, how about that night of sleep? <laughs> yeah. do, do you think he slept None. a wink? Not a wink. Not a wink. And, you know, and then he said, uh, I love it. Isaac's like, hey, dad, I, I, we're going up to this mountain and uh, I, we, got the, we got the wood, we got the fire. Mm-hmm. I don't see the sacrifice. And what does he say? God himself will provide mm-hmm. the lamb. And he had faith. Mm-hmm. And he says, he says to the servants, you guys wait here while the boy and I go up and worship. And we... We'll come back to you. He has faith. Mm-hmm. He's coming back. And he gets all the way to the point of the sacrifice. And God says, stop. And I, I see that you, you're not, you're not going to hold anything back from me. I think that's the point. When we own nothing, when we give it to God, we own everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, God did provide a lamb at that. You know, he did provide in the thicket. But Brooks, what most people don't see is that's the exact spot. Jesus is sacrificed. Mm-hmm. So I mean, here he had to travel to that spot. Mm-hmm. God's going to provide a lamb. Oh, behold the lamb of God. It takes <laughs> away the sins of the world. Whew, amazing. I mean, a father who's willing to sacrifice a son and stops, but our father doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. He does sacrifice his son for us. He does provide the lamb. Amazing story. Amazing stuff. Genesis is full of uh, amazing stuff and how it ties to just different parts of the Bible is incredible. It's, it's, and you know, it's so quoted in the New Testament. It's just, just, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. So what'd you think? Uh, Amazing. And I'm looking forward to 2023 going through all of it with you. Well, it'll be great. And uh, I'm sorry if I talk too much today. Oh no, not at all. We get fired up about it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right. So let's let's talk a little bit about this last Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're in a sermon series. It was week two, first things first, and making room for God. And uh, you know, I really felt like God gave me the illustration for this early on as I was cleaning out my garage. Like, you know, a garage was originally designed and built to have a car, and yet we put so much junk in it that we don't. Your even garage have looks room good right it. now, by oh, the thank way. You. <laughs> it does right now. It does good. <laughs> thank you very much. But. Um, you know, we were designed and created to have for God, and we've just filled it with junk. And, uh, you know, how, how do we put first things first? We got to clear out the garage and, mm-hmm. and you know, make room for God. You know, Paul's going to say, there's certain things you got to put to death, and there's certain things you got to put off. They don't fit you anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's certain things you got to put on and, you know, then let the, the, the peace of Christ and the word of God dwell richly uh, in you and... You know, so what I really meant to say more than anything is, you know, how, how do we make room and what is what is God telling us to, where do we make room? And, and, and what convicting. it boils down to is our salvation is found in the object of our faith, which is Jesus's life, death and resurrection. Amen. It's, it's not what we what we do and what we throw out ourselves or anything like that. It's so good, man. It's all about grace. And, uh, you know, I, I just think of all the things I put in my life that are, are kind of junk that I, I think I value, but... Uh, 
you know, it just pushes him out. And so, uh, anyway, and I, and I, I got to tell you, Brooks, I, I haven't figured this all out for me. I'm, I'm trying to like my, my whole year, how do I reevaluate some things? You know, what do I need to put in my schedule? What do I need to take off? You and I have talked about a new ministry that I'm talking about. But, you know, where do you have room? And God is this from you. And so, anyway, the bottom line is, hey, Casey Cornerland, God loves you and he made you for himself. What have you filled your life up that's not honoring to him? What what drives him out and puts him in the corners? Um, and those are the things that we got to examine. And uh, if we want first things first, he's got to be first things in all things. Mm-hmm. In the last two weeks, you've mentioned the weight on the Lord. And that's something that's been on your heart if you wanted to go a little bit further than that. I put you on the spot now. You did. And I've decided I can't figure it out. So I don't think he's here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, I think weight on the Lord is just like we live in the midst of God's promises are here, but they're not fully here. And I think you always are going to have the tension of longing for more, wanting for more. You know, we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So what does it mean to wait, you know, uh, and trust? And so let me, okay, I'll, I'll take the bait. I'll run with it. <laughs> you know, I did a memorial service on Monday, as you know, and it was, the sanctuary was so full. We had to use the fellowship hall for for more people to be poured into there. And we told you that there's 190 cars parked in our little parking lot. Mm-hmm. And I just longed for God to say, God, wouldn't it be cool if I just a normal worship service was like this? Mm-hmm. But, you know, waiting in the Lord is like, yeah, well, you know, whatever his plan is for this and mm-hmm. whatever he wants to do, you know, that's that's his. We got to be faithful. Let's wait for him to decide what he wants to do. Let's do what we know what to do, but wait on him. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a small, I'm still, I'm still learning, Brooks. Oh, yeah. Are you learning anything? Learning a lot. About waiting? Is there anything with waiting with your learning or anything? Uh, health-wise, 2022 had just, uh, it was a, a lot of health issues of random things and uh, starting 23 with a nice hernia surgery. So uh, waiting on the Lord with health and something I've always dealt with, which is always fun. So uh, w- waiting on the Lord for health, making my uh, body healthy again. You know, you, for a guy who had two surgery, back surgeries back to back at 15, 14? 14. Uh, you're, you know, gosh, I'm so grateful you're able to do all the things you do and do well, like golf and. And as things. someone who likes to be active, it uh, it, it kills me when yeah. I'm when I'm not able to do these things. Oh, like I got got back from Nashville, beautiful day. Just just want to you know go golf or something. Yeah. And just you know waiting waiting to get healthy. Uh, well, may you get there quickly. And let me just lastly ask you a question. This is just random. If you had a day that's beautiful, would you rather fish or golf? Uh, you've asked me this a lot. You know, I think I, I think it's golf. It's, yeah. It is very close, though. I, th- I do think it is golf. Yeah, all right. <laughs> that's that's. Uh... And there, there, there's seasons of my life, though. Sometimes it's fishing. You yeah, know? depends on how I the game is that. at that point. I can see that. If the swing isn't dialed in, yeah, we may want to fish instead. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Um, okay, so what I hope to say this upcoming week, by the way, it's uh, it's going to be part three, and it's entitled "Narrowing the Pursuit," and it's it's saying like there's so many things to run after. And there's so many things in our life to try to juggle. And there's so many things to prioritize. But it seems like if you read God's word and you listen, he's going to say, narrow the pursuit. I mean, seek. What do we need to seek first? And, you know, it's going to be the kingdom. And Mm -hmm. what does that look like? And how do we take all the stuff of life and try to make the lens uh, focus? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's hard for all of us. There's lots of distractions. A lot of distractions. How do we narrow the focus? Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, that's going to be this week. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, well, we look forward to it. Hey, and by the way, uh, those who are listening, uh, pray. Uh, my daughter-in-law, Kyla, uh, she's in the hospital right now. Uh, 
uh, in labor. And so uh, <laughs> JP and Kyla, um, Lord willing, will have little Miley here today, which would be a great day. One, 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 two, oh, three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. January and 11th. So, yeah. So uh, <laughs> um, that's exciting. That is very exciting. Adding to the Jake's family. Yeah, man. What a blessing. <laughs> That's all I've got. Anything else? Oh, man, Brooksy. That's, you know, I think that's good, brother. Hey, week two. And listen, everybody, thanks for journeying with us. Uh, we really we value your time, uh, whether you're driving or whatever you're doing for th- tuning us in. Um, we really do hope that this is a blessing, that you love Jesus more. Listen to two knuckleheads banter about it. <laughs> we will see you guys Sunday. All right, see you.